Chapter Fifteen of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Fifteen: A Ray of Light. For the remainder of the night, Count Victor's sleep was delicious or disturbed by dreams in which the gloomy habitation of that strange highland country was lit with lamps the brightest a woman's eyes sometimes she was cecile dancing all abandoned a child of dalliance a nymph irresolute to the music of a flageolet sometimes another whose radiance fascinated whose presence yet had terror for in the manner of dreams that at their maddest have some far-compassing and tremendous philosophy such as in the waking world is found in poems she was more than herself she was the other also at least sharing the secrets of that great sisterhood of immaculate and despoiled and looking in his face compelled to see his utter unworthiness he rose early and walked in the narrow garden still sodden with rain though a bold warm sun shone high to the east for ordinary he was not changeable but an olivia in doom made a difference those mouldering walls contained her she looked out on the sea from those high peering windows that bower would sometimes shelter her those alien breezes flowing continually round doom were privileged to kiss her hair positively there seems no great reason after all why he should be so precipitate in his removal to the town indeed he told himself with the smile of his subconscious self at the subterfuge there was a risk of miscarriage for his mission among tattling aubergistes lawyers and merchants he was positively vexed when he encountered mungo and that functionary informed him that though he was early afoot the baron was earlier still and off to the burg to arrange for his new lodgings this precipitancy seemed unpleasantly like haste to be rid of him ah said he to the little servant your master is so good so kind so attentive yet i do not wonder for your highland hospitality is renowned i have heard so much of it from the dear exiles glengarry par exemple when he desired to borrow the cost of a litre of the price of the diligence to dunkirky in the season when new-come scots were reaching there in a humour to be fleeced by a compatriot with three languages at command and the boast of connections with versailles mungo quite comprehended sir said he with some feeling there was never bed nor board grudged at doom it's like father like son a-through them the baron's great gutcher old ellen ain't thought the place so broad enough for the eye of grand piety or irish nobility that had bidden themselves to see him and the day they were to come he burned the place hove doon it was grand summer weather and he camped them in the park behind there sparing time nor money nor device in their entertainment you see what might have been a can of penury in a castle was the very extravagance of luxury in a camp a hole in the hose is an accident nay gentlemen need be shamed o 
but the same darned is a disgrace being poverty confessed as annapla says it was a touchy servant this montaillon told himself somewhat sharper too than he had thought he must hazard no unkind ironies upon the master charming charming good mungo said he the expedient might have been devised by my own great-grandfather a gentleman of 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 commercial pursuits in lyon city i am less fastidious perhaps than the irish being very glad to take doom castle as i have the honour to find it but you are thinking the baron is in a hurry to build ye elsewhere said the servant bluntly in an ordinary lackey this boldness would have been too much for count victor in this grotesque so much in love it seemed with his employer and so much his familiar and friend in a ridiculous scots fashion the impertinence appeared pardonable besides he blamed himself for the ill-breeding of his own irony that if i may be permitted to point out is not for us to consider monsieur mungo said he i have placed myself unreservedly in the baron's hands and if he considers it good for my indifferent health that i should change the air and take up my residence a little farther along your delightful coast while my business as a wine merchant from bordeaux is marching i have no doubt he has reason a smile he made no effort to conceal stole over mungo's visage wine merchant fra bordeaux he cried i've seen a handle o them hereaboots at the fishaker in season but they cam in gabbets to french foreland and it wasna usual for them to hae coont to their names or winges to their hips it was mere ordinar the inkhorn at their belts and the sporin at their groins a malediction on the creature's shrewdness said count victor inwardly while outwardly he simply smiled back the red wine is my specialty said he patting his side where the hilt of his sword should be my winger as you call it is an auger who the devil ever broached a pipe of scots spirit with a penknife but i see you are too much in the confidence of the baron for there to be any necessity of concealment between us hm, exclaimed mungo dryly as one who has a sense of being flattered too obviously the baron's a ban like a true gentleman i've seen and he kens me lang enough and likes me weel enough to make nae secret o what it were to ebbody's advantage should be nae secret to mungo boyd in this place i'm sentinel spy and garrison it would ill become the officer in command to let me be doing my walk without some clue to the maist important part of it ye're here on a search for one drimdrock you are a wizard monsieur mungo cried montaillon not without chagrin at doom's handling over so vast and vital a secret to a menial ay and you might think it droll that i should ken that but i bait to ken it for there's money a plot against my maister and nae foreigner comes inside there was whose pedigree i canna hae an inkling o ye're here after drimdrock and ye're no very sure aboot your host and that's the last thing i wot haggle wi your boat for your earl come to ye by and by count victor waved a deprecating hand oh i can o aboot what makes ye suspicious went on mungo undisturbed 
and it's a thing i could make clear to ye in a quarter hour's crack if i had this leave take my word for it there's not a better man wi' his feet in brokes this day than the baron o doom he should be searching the world wi' the sword o his feathers and the same he can use but the damned thing is the world for him doesna gang by the snoot o coal and the pass o glencrow he had a wife ance she's dead and buried in kilmurick knew he stoited on his hame and his daughter the charming olivia cried count victor thinking in one detail at all events to surprise this little custodian of all the secrets you met her last night said mungo calmly seeming to enjoy the rapidity with which his proofs of omniscience could be put forth that's half the secret you were daundering aboot the lobby with a fine french man as i ha heard o frae the french their cells and wha would blame ye in a hoose like this and ye're early up the day but the lass was up earlier to tell me o your meeting she had to come to me before annapla was aboot for annapla no this part o the ploy at all i protest i have no head for charades said count victor with a gesture of bewilderment i do not know what you mean mungo chuckled with huge satisfaction man it's as plain as parritch there's a gentleman in the tomb down by that hot wooer and daddy's for none o his kind rune doom do you take me but still but still but still the trusting gaes on and you will but to say that's very true coont but it's only the like o you and me that has nae dochters to plague ourselves wi then can guess the like o that ay it goes on as ye say and that's where me and miss olivia maun put or trust in you in this affair i'll admit i'm a traitor in the camp at least to the camp commander but i think it's a good cause the lassie's fair off her head and nae wonder for he's a fine maker man and a good one i hope interjected count victor huh said mungo i thought that wasna late muckle stress on in france he's a taken evil and the kinds are middling morally save far as i had only experience o them good or bad miss olivia nae for the gen nor last friday refused to promise she would give up meeting him though she's the gem o dochters god bless her bonny een his lordship got up in a trivery and ordered her to her room wi annapla for warder till he should make arrangement for sending her to his good sister in the low country you coming found us in a kind of confusion but you might have spared yourselves my trap panning in the tool booth upstairs and met her in a mere becoming way at her father's table if it had not been for annapla for annapla repeated montaignon oh ah annapla has the gift you can do ye think i would have been so civil the ither nacht to her when she was yelping on the stairhead if it had not been her repute for the evil eye you may laugh but i could tell tales on a plus capacity the night afore ye came she yoked himself on his jailing the lassie though she's the last that would throw him oh said he you're a tarred with the a-stick if you connive at his coming here without my cannon i'll gi him death with his boots on it was in the gaelic this ye mo ken annapla gates me ifter boots here boots there quoth she loves the fine adventure and i see by the grisach that's the fire embers ye ken between the ash o peat and the creesh o a candle the kino witches can tell ye things frae new to hogmanay i see by the grisach says she 
that this anel come with his bare feet it staggered him oh ay it staggered him a bit bare feet o brokes said he she'll see no man from this till the day she gaze and he's the man to keep his word but it looks as though he might shuffle the pack new and start a new game for the plans of flitting her to dunburton hey fallen through i hear and he'll hear to produce her before you leave i'm in no hurry said count victor coolly twisting his moustache what to hair produced said the little man slyly Fasseur, no to leave indeed is that say asked mungo in a quite new tone and reddening huh you may hae come barefoot but the ither ane has the preference he has my sincere felicitations i assure you said count victor and i can only hope he is worthy of the honour of master mungo's connivance and the lady's devotion ah he's a richt it's only a whim o' dooms that makes him discountenance the fellow i allow the gentleman has name for gallantry and debt and a ween mere teal vices that's neither here nor there but he's a pretty lad he's the man of my fancy six feet tall a back like a board and an ay like lightning and he's nan the worth for hain a great interest in mungo boyd's story decidedly a diplomatist said count victor laughing i always loved an enthusiast go on go on good mungo and so he is my nocturnal owl my flautist on the bower my orpheus of the mountains does the gifted annapla also connive and are hers the window signals annapla kens nothing o that the what do you call it the second sight appears to have its limitations at least if it does she's none the less willing to be an unconscious aid and put a flag at the window at the bidding o olivia to keep the witches away the same flag that keeps off a witch may easily fetch a boggle there's but a time new and then when it's safe for the lads to venture frae the mainland and for that there maun be a signal of some kind otherwise if i ken his spirit he would never be off this rock i'm tellin ye that by miss olivia's command and new year in the plot like the lave of us mungo heaved a deep breath as if relieved of a burden still still said count victor one hesitates to mention it to so excellent a custodian of the family reputation still there are other things to me somewhat somewhat crepuscular his deprecatory smile and the gesture of his hands and shoulders conveyed his meaning you're thinking of the baron in tartan said mungo bluntly he smiled oddly that's the funniest bit of all if you're here well langer that'll be plain to you too between the darkest secret and our understanding o' them there's wilds but a rag and that minds me that mistress olivia was behind the heiress tapestry chittering with fright when you broke in by her window sirs sirs what times we're having there's ploy in the world yet and me unable tots i'm not that old either and faith here's himself mungo punctiliously saluted his master as that gentleman emerged beneath the frowning doorway and joined count victor in the dejected garden lifted the faggot of firewood he had laid at his feet during his talk with the visitor and sought his kitchen in doom's aspect there was restraint 
Count Victor shared the feeling, for now he realized that, in some respects, at all events, he had been doing an injustice to his host. "'I find, Monsieur le Count,' said Doom, after some trivial introductories, "'that you cannot be accommodated in the inn down by for some days yet, possibly another week.' The circuit court has left a pack of the legal gentlemen and German there, who will not be persuaded to return to Edinburgh so long as the cellar at the inn holds out, and my doer, Mr. Petullo, expresses a difficulty in getting any other lodging. "'I regret exceedingly—' "'No regret at all, Monsieur le Count,' said Doom. "'No regret at all, unless it be that you must put up with a while longer of a house that must be very dull to you.' It is my privilege and pleasure to have you here, without prejudice to your mission, and the only difficulty there might be about it has been removed through, through, through your meeting with my daughter Olivia. I learn you met her on the stair last night. Well, it would look droll, I dare say, to have encountered that way, and no word of her existence from me. But, but, but there has been a little disagreement between us. I hope I am a decently indulgent father, Monsieur le Count, but— You see before you one with great shame of his awkwardness, Baron, said Montaillon. Ordinarily, I should respect a host's privacy to the extent that I should walk a hundred miles round rather than stumble upon it, but this time I do not know whether to blame myself for my gauchery or feel pleased that for once it brought me into good company. Mungo has just hinted with his customary discretion at the cause of the mystery. I sympathize with the father. I am with the daughter, très charmée, and— This hint of the gallant slightly ruffled doom. Chut! he cried. The man with an only daughter had need to be a man of patience. I have done my best with this Olivia of mine. She lost her mother when a child— an accent of infinite tenderness here came into his voice. These woods and this shore and this lonely barn of ours, all robbed of what once made it a palace to me and mine, were, I fancied, uncongenial to her spirit, and I sent her to the lowlands. She came back educated, as they call it. I think she brought back as good a heart as she took away, but singularly little tolerance sometimes for the life in the castle of doom. It has been always the town for her these six months, always the town, for there she fell in with a fellow who's no fancy of mine. Count Victor listened sympathetically, somewhat envying the lover, reviving in his mental vision the figure he had seen first twelve hours ago or less. He was brought to a more vivid interest in the story by the altered tone of doom, who seemed to sour at the very mention of the unwelcome cavalier. "'Count,' said he, "'it's the failing of the sex, the very best of them, because the simplest and the sweetest, that they will prefer a fool to a wise man, and a rogue to a gentleman. They are blind, because the rogue is forever showing off his sham good qualities till they shine better than an ordinary decent man's may. To my eyes, if not quite to my knowledge, this man is as great a scoundrel as was ever left unhung. It's in his look.' Well, scarcely so to tell the truth, but something of it in his mouth as well as in his history, and sooner than see my daughter take up for life with a creature of his stamp, I would have her in her grave beside her mother. 
Unluckily, as I say, the man's a plausible rogue. That's the most dangerous rogue of all, and the girl's blind to all but the virtues and graces he makes a display of. I'll forgive Petullo his cheatry in the common way of his craft sooner than his introduction of such a man to my girl. To all this Count Victor could no more than murmur his sympathy, but he had enough of the young gallant in him to make some mental reservations in favour of the persistent wooer. It was an alluring type, this haunter of the midnight bower, and melancholy sweet breather in the classic reed. All the wooers of only daughters, he reminded himself, as well as all the sweethearts of only sons, were unworthy in the eyes of parents, and probably Mungo's unprejudiced attitude towards the conspiring lovers was quite justified by the wooer's real character in spite of the ill repute of his history. He reflected that this confidence of Doom's left unexplained his own masquerade of the previous night, but he gave no whisper to the thought, and had, indeed, forgotten it by the evening, when for the first time Olivia joined them at her father's table. End of chapter 15